Let's talk. Docs. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Docs with Portia and Eric. And today our special guest is Swap Neil. Swap Neil has over 16 years of technical documentation experience across a range of industries in Australia and globally. He currently works as Redotly's technical writer advocate, pursuing his passion for writing, along with advocating for the Docs' code approach Yes, for product content. He initiated the Write the Docs community in Australia in 2016, an OG, and has been organizing local meetups and annual national conferences. So let us begin. Excited to have Swapnil here today and let's go ahead and get started. And Swapnil, I'm curious just to hear a little bit more about kind of your backstory and, and how you got into technical writing and just, yeah, the kind of the, what led you to here, I guess. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. It's a very, like I said before, it's a very different sort of, you know, take on podcasts and yeah, I'm happy to share my experiences. I feel like I've said this in a few other places, but I'm like a career tech writer. So I know tech writers come in from different backgrounds. They come in because they love the language, they love contributing to the documentation. But I actually studied to be a technical writer. So the way it works is I, while I was doing my master's in, you know, information systems, this is going back 20 years now, but I was really fascinated by systems itself, like technology, new processes and everything. And, but even before that, I realized straight out of school or straight out of uni, I've been, I've always been a fan of writing. So writing is my passion. I used to write blogs. I used to contribute to local newspapers in whatever format, like social channels or whatever it might be. But writing has always been the thing that I always fall back on or go back to. And I thought, you know, technical writing is the perfect way to go about this. I can learn about new technology, contribute to new processes and tools and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I can still keep writing about stuff. So I actually finished a degree in technical communication when it was available as an option in Australia. Sadly, that no longer exists, that particular sort of uni course, but I actually did a graduate certificate in technical communication, which gave me a good sort of understanding of what technical writing is about, the processes, the tools, and how to go about gathering information. And that's where I came in from. I finished that particular degree and then I've been a tech writer ever since. So that's sort of my backstory. I've enjoyed working with different organizations and different tools, different industries, different domains. And the thing that just keeps me going is I can keep writing and that's what it is. That's super interesting. And as you mentioned in your intro, there are many people who come from different backgrounds and they find themselves into technical writing, but you actually got a technical communication certificate. Can you tell me what is the most important thing you learned in that program that you use today? It's that basic understanding of what a technical writer does. And so, look, to be honest, over the years, the processes, the methodology has kind of changed with, you know, new agile methodologies of working and working with a lot of developer teams who do a lot of, you know, ad hoc work. When I actually studied that particular, when I was doing the technical writing degree, one of the things that was really drilled into all the students was you create a documentation plan, which right at the start of the onset of any project, you create a plan and that sort of becomes your a service level agreement, I guess, with your product teams to make them understand uh, the requirements, the scope, the resources and everything along and deliverables for the project. These days, that information plan still exists in some sort of a format. And I still do that with a lot of my projects. 
but it's gone down to a point where it used to be like four or five pages long in a document um, understanding it's come down to one page because no one's got the time to read an information plan where they've got other stuff to read. <laughs> so it becomes just a thing, plan on a page sort of a thing where this is what it is and this is what we're trying to achieve. So just my understanding of the project and I guess just an agreement from the stakeholders saying, yeah, that's fine. That works with us. And let us know if there's any changes and that's your service level agreement. So you, you're kind of setting that format and that thing that I picked up at uni, I'm still following it today. And I think not a lot of organizations that I've worked with, they've had tech writers before, so they don't actually know how the process works. So that information plan actually helps them understand what the process is and what's required and then gives them some sort of a baseline of trying to adjust to working with a technical writer. So that's one thing that I picked up from uni and I'm still following that. I love how timeless that skill is because with technical documentation, we talk about docs code, we talk about infrastructure, we talk about like JavaScript, static site generators, but there are certain skills like learning how to plan that's still relevant for today. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. From what I've seen over the years working with, like I said, organizations who have never had a tech writer before, they don't have any baseline of what the process should be and how it should work. So it's one of those skills that is really important for tech writers is to, you know, even advocate for the project itself, advocate for the tech writing role and also advocating for good value documentation. So it's like you said, it's one of those skills that is really important. And regardless of what tools and what products and what projects you're working on, you can just pretty much carry it over to anything and it still works. It fits in perfectly as a piece of that puzzle. I'm just curious. I'm kind of an advocate for more people getting into tech writing officially, not coming in through some side door. Do you know what the story is with the, the university degree? Why it was removed or what happened there? Yeah, I don't have a lot of context, but I, from what I've heard over the years, the numbers really dwindled. Like for a university degree, I'll give you an example. When I was there, we only had four students enrolled for that degree. And by the time I had finished it, they had made provisions to convert it to an online only degree. It used to be on site, oh, wow. it became an online. And then there was still a few half a dozen people, but I think with that on-site model, there were only like two people at some point. And I think for a university degree to run, that's those numbers, I don't think they make much sense in terms of keeping it running just for two people, like it could be. So they did convert it to online, but I think those numbers went down again as well. We've got some really good documentarians in our Australian community who have actually completed that online degree. And from what they've told me, they're all better for it because they did finish that degree, but Eventually, it came to a point where it was not feasible enough to keep running it with those sort of numbers. Interesting. So we've covered a person wants to go into technical writing. And let's just move it up a couple of years, like a year or two or three. Mm-hmm. Let's go into talking at conferences. So you've spoken at many conferences around the world. And why should a technical writer consider speaking at a conference? Like, what kind of value did you gain from like going and speaking at conferences that you would recommend other people to experience? I might actually say that it was a little bit of a selfish motive there because I wasn't very big or very confident of public speaking. So I was like, this is an opportunity to, you know, build those public speaking skills and see if I can actually stand in an audience in the front of a room of a hundred plus people and be able to, you know, convey my thoughts, my experiences and To be honest, it wasn't the best start because a couple of early conferences that I presented at, 
I was nervous. I was nervous as anything. I was standing there and I was shivering. I had access to water and everything, but I just managed to fumble through my lines and just get it done. But I think that experience sort of pushed me to challenge myself that there is a way I can do better. So that was that selfish motive. But over the years, what I realized is, and this is something that I've been, you know, really passionate about is a lot of technical writers don't really advocate for the skills that they bring to the organization. And yeah. If you're not presenting at conferences, if you're not talking about what you've done something at your organization that's worked really well, the world's not going to know and they're not going to know, they're not going to hire more technical writers. So everything that you're doing and you're winning at, you need to literally sort of announce it to the world that this is what I've been working on. This is something that's worked for me. And this is something you can probably you take to your organization and see if it works and get you more technical writers or people interested in investing in documentation. So that's been my other side of the story where, you know, I've said this is an opportunity I can talk about it. And it's not only just tech writing conferences. I've presented at a couple of API conferences where mine was the only documentation talk, but it's still, even if I could get 20 people into the talk and listen to what I had to say, I think that sort of builds over the number of years and people actually then saying, yeah, we understand the value of documentation and we can, we'll see what we can do. So it's just getting people to understand and hear about stories, I guess. So you dropped several gems in what you just said. One, I think there are so many people who are in technical writing who are very confident behind a computer screen. But when they get on the stage or when they have to address an audience, then they get really shy. Like the fact that you pushed yourself is like such a big inspiration for others. English is not my native language, but I've studied, obviously, all my education has been in English. So I'm like, this is a way to challenge myself. And it's a fun story. I actually come from a family where my dad's an artist. My mom was a teacher. So it's things that they've stood in front of a classroom and taught people. So it's educating people. So somehow, somewhere that gene has sort of slipped in and it's come into me and said, I can do that. I might not have much to say in my first year of tech writing, but over the years, I'm sure I'll build enough skills and experience that I can actually share with the world. So that's where it's come in and just standing in front of people and not shaking yourself and falling down. It's something that I've enjoyed over the years and it's different audiences and being able to present on site and online, it's just different challenges, but it's just something that I've been doing and working on and enjoying recently. Right on for being brave. And so the second gem that you shared with us is advocating for yourself. There are so many technical writers who feel like because they can write well, they're organized, they know how to code, the job is done. But I mean, you really need to let people know how great you are as a technical writer. Yeah, look, I agree with that. If I had a dollar for every single time, people have just gone about doing their jobs and not advocating. I think without advocating, you're actually doing the community or the profession a disservice if you're not advocating about your work, because there are a lot of other roles that, you know, pretty much speak for themselves. And I don't want to point fingers, but developers or testers, they're not a proper <laughs> sort of a body of knowledge. And when it comes to tech writing, people are like, oh, look, anyone can write. Look, that might be fine. That might be correct, but you still need experts. You need people who actually know the craft, who are passionate about the craft, because I've worked with people before. They've done a half decent job at documentation. Good on them to, you know, take that up and do that. But eventually it's going to need someone who's got that, you know, who can put that final polish, who can actually advocate for the customer. Because a lot of times I've felt that 
documentation that was created before I joined probably lacked that customer focus. It was more aimed at only one audience where I didn't address the audience needs as well. So that's where the advocacy comes in. You have to advocate for the customers. You have to make sure that the documentation is actually serving the needs that it's supposed to. Like anyone can write, yes, but is that writing or that documentation, is that useful? Is it actually serving anyone? Is it helping people out there finish what they're doing or complete what they're doing. So just making sure that there's an advocacy component built into it too. I was about to bring this up last, touched upon it, but now we're going to crack this door open. You mentioned developers. So can you tell us, so developers have a body of work. Technical writers usually work with developers. What should developers know about technical writers and what technical writers do? and how they spend their time. I think you put me in a bind there with, you know, how do they spend their time? Well, let me get started on that. How do, you, <laughs> how do we spend our time? I'll give you an example. So I like the way developers work sometimes because they look at a problem. They look at ways to, you know, solve the problem. They go in, maybe write code or maybe improve code or create a feature or a solution that actually addresses the problem. The, the way they go about that is very logical. And that's where that sort of journey ends. And they finish that, they roll out the product. And that's probably a part of their process. What they fail to understand is if I had to draw a parallel with technical writing or documentation, we know what the problem is, but we're going to take a lot of time to plan around it because the context is everything around there. Like, yes, the problem has a clear solution in coding terminology, but that might not necessarily be the case with documentation. So it might look like we're not doing anything, but we're doing a lot of research. We're doing, like when I say we, it's technical writers, I speak for technical writers. We're doing a lot of planning. We're doing a lot of research, to, you know, to best present that solution. So you've given us a solution. That's excellent. But what the trick is, you've got to be able to talk to the customers, get their understanding, test it out yourself. A lot of tech writers often fail to do that. They write something, but they've not tested it enough to document everything or understand how it works. So be able to test it and then create a documentation. In my experience, writing is maybe only 30% of the effort. It's the planning, it's that research, the context, the testing, and just finding out what the customer needs. That takes up bulk of my day. So it might look like I'm not at my computer doing writing the head out of it every <laughs> single time, but I'm actually doing something. I'm planning, I'm thinking about customers and thinking about how to best present that information. So that's the kind of information that I've taken to teams and organizations before who have never worked with tech writers and make them understand that writing is only 30% of my day. It's the other things around it that actually adds value to that documentation. I feel like we've touched on this with a, a few of our guests where they really talk about that need to be able to write and know the audience, but then also being able to understand the product and kind of the technology or, or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that kind of that combination of understanding the product, understanding the audience and, and merging that all together is a lot of work. I actually wanted to get to the last gem, Swapneil. You mentioned that you also speak at other conferences about documentation. And I think that is great. That is where you were doing a hard work of letting developers know exactly what technicals writers do. Can you tell us what are some of the reactions you get after you give these presentations? Yeah, I'll probably share a couple from my experience. Last year, I presented at API Days Australia, and that was a totally, obviously, API-focused conference. But I said, look, I'll present one about documentation. So when I 
did that talk at the end of it people i had like really i wouldn't say weird but dif- different kind of questions like i was actually expecting questions of how did you do this or how did you achieve that people were like the questions the kind of questions i got oh we didn't actually know that there's like a specialist skill that allows us to rely back on like create that documentation like we didn't know that you could read apis we didn't know you could read api code and i'm like well i'm surprised you're saying that because there are like technical writing as a profession has existed for quite a few years so it's not that we're totally new to this field but the kind of questions that i got at the in more more of a nature where they were really surprised to know that there are specialist people who can create this documentation and who are equally good with reading and writing code as well like fairly sort of common thing to do with apis is obviously being able to test it out yourself and being able to write use cases or examples or code samples and that's fairly regularly done by technical writers and some developers who have never worked with tech writers they're like oh we didn't know you could do that so that's that notion of we didn't know you could do that is what i'm trying to debunk that yes we have done this in the past maybe not in this particular industry but i worked in processes or organizations before which are manufacturing doing like hardware manufacturing and i've done the same thing i've actually gone i'm just digressing here but i actually worked with this company that was doing processes for the wool market so they when i went into the wool so wool as in actually shearing wool off for sheep's back and stuff like that so i i went into the warehouse i saw how it's done what processes they followed to you know capture all that information somewhere and people are like why would you do that well i'm a technical writer i, I do what's required of me to be able to finish that process so i could go into the wool center and find out what people were doing and be able to document that process so it's debunking that myth that we've done this in the past we've done it with different technologies so trust us when we tell you that we've done this before trust us that we can do it again maybe it will take some sort of time for us to understand what it is but we'll get it done so that's from that conference yeah. um, sort of a perspective but a couple of other conferences that i actually pitched for documentation talk and it was a i think it was a product management conference so not like a developer conference a more of a product management and i was pitching for how docs add value to your product management experience or the product experience as well and the talk was rejected and that's fine i'm happy for my talks to be rejected that gives me good feedback one sort of a senior product manager who i've known for a number of years he actually told me the way you sold it was wrong you should have sold us the solution not the problem because everyone knows what the problem is in your pitch if you sold us the solution they would have you would have probably picked that talk up and that's fine that talk was rejected but a couple of other developers in the team who are not product managers they came up to me and in, in that particular conference and they said oh look we didn't actually realize you know there was that way of thinking about the product experience as well like with documentation like solving an issue through documentation not necessarily a feature enhancement or adding a new feature on top of it so thanks for pitching the talk maybe it didn't get selected but actually allows us to think about that in our future projects as well so just you know making them aware of different scenarios and how we could actually solve issues through documentation yeah i love those uh helpful hints on on how to get talks accepted i know one of the things that we've worked on together over the years is kind of building that space for documentarians for the people who kind of care about documentation but it doesn't help if we all just hang out at the same events and talk to each yeah. other that's how we hone our craft but we have to then take that what we've learned and and really bring it out into the world and so i really commend that effort that you're doing i'd love to see more people doing that work as well i just also want to quickly say i love that little tidbit about you were curious on why your talk was rejected i think it's really important when we put talks out there for us to know what 
value we try to bring. And even if it's rejected for us to get curious on why it was rejected. So thank you for like giving us a little bit of insight to the next time that we put forth talks to conferences. Yeah, I think I might actually add to that as well. Like when that product manager walked up to me and he said, look, you sold us the problem, but not the solution. It should have been the other way around. The other thing he also mentioned was maybe you're not using the correct language. And that's very crucial for a talk at a particular conference. If I'm talking about it just from a documentation perspective at a product conference, they're like, maybe you need to change or tweak your language a little bit so that you're actually using the same terminology. Product managers use things like buzzwords, throwing things like quality, metrics, <laughs> and analytics. Know your audience, and right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the workflow. So know your audience. And that actually allows you to sell that idea a little bit more better. Yeah, that's definitely an art, figuring out how to kind of frame proposals and that kind of stuff. I also love looking at past proposals and seeing the language of the things in maybe last year that got accepted. That's always a great place to kind of mine for how things feel or whatever as well. I feel like you know a lot about conferences at this point as well, because you're also one of the folks who, who kind of started the Write the Docs Australia community. And I, yeah, I'd love just to talk a little bit more about what motivates you to do that work. And do you think that's something that a lot of people can do? Or is it like, how would somebody else kind of do some of the work that you've done around community building in their own communities? Yeah, I think I'll go back to my previous statement of when I started off as a tech writer in Australia over the years, and I don't know for whatever reason it might be, we've never had like very strong communities, nothing on a national level as well. So we've had like very region specific, so Melbourne and Sydney based organizations that I was a part of initially when I was during my uni days that did a lot of meetups and talks and so on and so forth and annual conference as well. But I think what was lacking over the last few years, I felt was that the global perspective, especially now that a lot of organizations, a lot of folks are working from home and they're working on global projects. Our organizations here have lacked that global focus. We were still very Australian focused. And what Write the Docs allows us to do is obviously bring that global perspective and people working across different time zones, different products, different teams globally, it just allows us to bring in more experiences and knowledge. When I started off and I finished my uni degree, I didn't actually have a lot of that global perspective. I was still very Australian focused. And I was like, at some point, we need to expand this. We need to, while it might still be an Australian organization, it still needs to be able to allow people from other parts of the world to share their stories. And I think when I heard about Ride the Docs and what Eric was doing in Portland and in Europe as well with Mikey, I think what triggered me to think about it was, we need to bring this into Australia because it allows us to bring more ideas, more people sharing their experiences. And that's what kept me going. So when I started, I'm like, I didn't have this opportunity when I started off as a tech writer. Maybe there are people right now in their careers who are either starting off in tech writing or transitioning from somewhere else. And they might actually benefit from this experience. So let's bring this community into Australia and keep it going as far as I could. I think there are a lot of people in the community right now who can easily, you know, start taking more ownership of this. But I think for whatever reason and their motivations or personal reasons to or commitments, we haven't had a lot of success getting someone to keep working on it. Like, you know, on a consistent basis, we've, for every event, I try and bring in volunteers who have never worked with it before, just to give them that experience of what happens behind the conference, but also making them, you know, something they can add to their portfolio, something they can add to their own professional equity in terms of, hey, I was part of a team that organized a conference, a documentation conference. We had over 100 people attend. I was managing the logistics or so something that they can take back to their employers and show that value. And it's 
for me, I think it's all about that additional value you bring in as a tech writer. You're not only just documenting day in, day out. You're actively engaged in the community. You're contributing to events and meetups and conferences. And you're actually sharing your experiences that way. So it's just, I think, Eric, to answer your question, it's more that keeping that passion going about documentation as community in that community as long as I can, I suppose. Okay. I'm very curious. Several times in that last answer, you mentioned global perspective. Could yeah. you dig in and elaborate on what is that global perspective? Sure. I speak more from my understanding of the Australian market. We don't have a lot of organizations who are doing the same kind of work in that software space or blockchain. Like I could be 100% wrong here, but what my understanding of this market is, it's largely service-driven. We do have a lot of that happening in the last five years from what I've noticed, but probably before 2010, it was very government-driven or financial services and so on and so forth. There's not a lot of scope for innovation in that sort of industry. They're doing what they're doing, but the documentation is probably stalled at some point and it's that. And with the advent of new technologies, like if you hear about blockchain and a lot of developer experience products like backend and backend engineering. And we've got big organizations like Atlassian and Google doing some really fantastic stuff in that space. But traditionally, we've lacked a lot of that global experience when it comes to delivering products. And it has changed in the last five years, don't get me wrong. But I think my experience goes back a few years where we didn't have those global perspectives. It was very still Australian focused and very service driven industry. So with this community, what I've been trying to achieve is in the documentation space, at least try and get people from outside Australia present to our community so that they can share what's been going on in Europe, maybe, or in India. I think India is also another place where there's a lot of technical writing going on in different industries and stuff. And we've had speakers present about stuff that has not been picked up so much in Australia until last year. So things like Docs as Code has been only been around in Australia from what three or four years right now. And traditionally, I always feel Australia is maybe like, you know, five or six years behind the rest of the world when it comes to a lot of product development or documentation in some industries, at least. I've, again, like I said, this is my own take on the market. Maybe I'm 100% wrong, but the kind of opportunities tech writers get in Australia is very limited and different to what you would probably experience in US or Europe or India or even other parts. I think in the Middle East as well, there's a lot of different opportunities going on there. I think one of the interesting things is just the population. There's not that many people in Australia, yeah. right? The options are limited, even if everyone's working on cool stuff. There's only yeah. so many people to work on it. And I mean, yeah, the blending of ideas. I love that earlier we talked about kind of the bringing the documentation ideas and bringing them out into the world, but then also just within the own our community itself of people who care about documentation. There's lots of different worldviews and perspectives that you can kind of bring together. And I love kind of thinking about that in both ways. I haven't considered quite so much that kind of blending of the global perspective or the global best practices versus local maxima or something, if you will. Yeah. And I think it also goes, like you said, Eric, it goes both ways. Like we've had presenters from Australia, obviously talk about our experiences and people who've not traditionally worked in Australian industries. They're like, oh, wow, we didn't know you were doing stuff like this. And you're approaching your projects in a certain manner on the kind of teams. Like I've never worked in a team larger than five people in tech writing, but tech five is a small number in US if you compare it to the kind of documentation teams you've got. And it works both ways. There's people telling us about their experiences from all over the globe that we could apply easily into the Australian landscape and the other way as well. Like we've done some really innovative stuff in a few industries and we've got technical writers doing stuff that can be easily, you know, taken over to other tech 
Australia sometimes obviously punches way about its weight in a lot of industries and we're trying to make sure that we get that blend of the exchange of information going both ways that way. Love the cross-pollination. One of the reasons why these docs, conferences and local meetups are so important because it's just education from all sides. Yeah. One of the other topics we did want to make sure to cover is this Google season of docs as well as another really amazing mechanism of globalizing and, and sharing knowledge. I know you were kind of participated in this in the past, but yeah, can you just talk a little bit more about how does season of docs work? And also just how does a writer know that they're ready to contribute to open source projects or that, was there anything that you wish maybe you knew before going into it or anything like that? I've been really lucky to be on both sides of that pains of, you know, the season of docs. So the season of docs is obviously a six month project that's funded by Google where they try and match technical writers with open source organizations that create documentation on are in need of the documentation. So a few years back, I actually participated in the season of docs as a writer myself, just to get an understanding of how do global projects or how do open source projects work? Because hopefully they don't have a lot of bureaucracy going on in them when it comes to decision-making and making sure that we're rolling out new documentation or new features across the project. So my experience on that a couple of years was back was really fantastic because it gave me things to think about that I'd never thought. And this is where that thing of some of the places I've worked on in the past, I didn't actually have to think about something. So a classic example is translation of documentation. With a lot of companies that I've worked for personally, most of the documentation I wrote on was in English and that's what it was. Like that was all the medium it needed. But with this particular open source project, I was trying to bring in like a process and a template for developers to be able to contribute to the documentation or even update documentation. And they reminded me, well, that's good and we can use this, but also bear in mind that this documentation will be converted to 18 different languages. And that's like where that siren went off. Oh, yeah, that's one thing I've never considered translating to, not that I had to do it myself, but to be able to think about it when I was planning. So those are the sort of experiences that you get in an open source project. And regardless of what stage you are at as a tech writer, I think it's a fantastic way to not only give back to the community, but also pick up so much valuable experiences. I know quite a few people who worked on Season of Dogs who are now you know, fully employed by that particular organization outside the season of docs to contribute as well. Like they've found employment as a technical writer. These could be, you know, new technical writers, but also people transitioning from other careers. They're interested in open source documentation. They've contributed and they've found employment. So that's a fantastic outcome. The other side of the fence last year, I sort of was the administrator on the Google season of docs for Redocly, the place that I currently work at. And that was a different experience because I was, I was actually hiring technical writers. I was talking to people in the community who have never had that experience before and hiring them, interviewing them, trying to find out what their motivation was to work on a particular, you know, open source products and see if they're a good fit. And we found some really good couple of people in the community to write the season of docs channels as well, who contributed to our documentation. And it was a big success. The reason I say it was a success was I looked at our Google Analytics over the thing and some of our documentation that previously didn't exist now has a 200% increase rate of people visiting it. And, you know, that's like a massive jump of people. And most of the feedback we get on our documentation is, where is all this of documentation before? We needed it like when we were trying out <laughs> your products and now it exists and it's fantastic. We can get to do so much stuff, cool stuff we didn't know before. Like we probably had to stumble our way through the project to find out. But now the documentation exists. It's a clear win for us. 
the idea is not to just be able to upsell them on products, but now that they learn that the open source product does this and our premium products now have much more value, then it's an easy transition for them to, you know, convince their managers of, we've used this, it works fantastic for us. Maybe we can buy the premium product and that's a good win for the organization. So just being able to create that documentation with the tech writers and mentoring them. So thankfully the tech writers we had on that particular project were experienced tech writers. So there's not a lot of mentoring required, but it was still a process of, we were telling them, you know, this is our style guide and you work with them collaboratively on how do you actually create that documentation? How can you contribute to making it more useful? Test it out. We'll help you along the way. So that mentoring process. So Overall, that experience has been really good. And that last part of that question, obviously, Eric, was when does a technical writer know that they're ready? I think they're ready when they actually see it. The moment they realize it's on, it's it's one of those things. When they realize the season of docs <laughs> is coming, I can actually say that it's coming in a month. I think they're starting application. So now that it's on, get into it. You'll never find a better way to get more experience. If you've never done documentation before and worked on a global team, this is your experience. This is your moment. I like it. So you know you're ready when you actually see Google sees in a docs. When you read it, then it's time to start. The sign is this, right? Like this is the sign. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've seen the actual announcement about the season of docs as a tech writer, you've stumbled upon a good thing. Go for it. Pitch your proposal. Make sure that you want to be involved. Read about the project and bring everything that you've done in the past to that documentation. Thank you. That's a great call to action. And it's also a great way for us to start wrapping things up. So Swapnil, you've been amazing. And once again, you've given us so much value and you've put us on so much game. Before we head out, are there things that you want to amplify? What are you working on? Like, what do you want to promote? Where can um, I find you? <laughs> oh, you can find me, obviously, all the sort of social channels. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, so Swapnil Ogle everywhere. And fun fact, I'm actually co-authoring a second edition of a very popular technical writing book. So the book is called The Technical Writing Process. And one of our community members, he published this book a few years back, the first edition. And I believe it's been used as a textbook in a lot of, I think, American universities who do technical writing courses. So it's been used as a textbook. So he reached out to me last year and he said, let's, you know, revisit this, bring in both of our experiences together and, you know, maybe expand some sections where it didn't exist before so we can add new content. So I'm co-authoring that second edition. I'm really excited. It's slow going at the moment, but I believe we will get there pretty soon. So it's not easy writing a book from experience now that I've done it for over nine months and we've hardly made any progress, but I'm co-authoring that. I'm really excited. The other thing that's Totally not technical writing related, but in a way it is, is I'm learning the Australian sign language. So something that I picked up a couple of years back in our one of our conferences in Sydney, we had a person who was hard on hearing and he actually presented a talk, a lightning talk at the conference. And that sort of got me going in terms of we need to be able to reach out this community to people who, are, you know, have those sort of disabilities or who want to contribute to the community. So I said, out of my own sort of experience, I think if I can learn something that will help myself and also other people, I'm learning the Australian sign language at the moment. So it's pretty fascinating. We've had these couple of classes where over 60 minutes, we didn't have our microphones turned off and we had a full lesson. So it was just all sign language and wow. it was fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. Just another point in my already overflowing love for lightning talks. 
Yeah, that lightning talk was, it got a lot of people talking about it because over he was there with an interpreter and he actually demonstrated his own experience as a technical writer. He's been working as a tech writer for a number of years. So, but he had an interpreter at that conference and they gave a whole five or six minutes talk about his experience as a tech writer. And that was fantastic. One of the best talks I've attended, lightning talks. Awesome. So we are going to end it here. Swapnil. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll put all that in the show notes so we can find you. We can learn more about Australian Sign Language. We'll learn more about the book that you're writing. And thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you for um, giving me this opportunity. As you can see, I cannot stop talking about documentation. So it's a good thing we've got a hard stop at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely appreciate your time. And so thank you again. 